0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: Don't look for how much you can actually get away with before sin because before you know it, you'll be sinning. When you live on the edge of sin, all you got to do is just, you got to fall just a little bit and you'll be right up over in it. So if I know that that's the edge, I want to be far away from the edge as I can be. And so Paul says, look, all things are lawful. But not everything is helpful. All things are lawful, but not everything edifies. And so we have to be thinking in terms of, well, this edifies, it's this gonna be helpful. Am I gonna grow in God doing this thing right here or not?
0: Sin is not something to play games with. It's a destructive cancer. If you knew there was something proven to cause cancer 100% of the time, wouldn't you avoid that product? On a spiritual level, that's sin. It always causes destruction and pain. It's never benign. As Pastor Bill will warn us in today's message, instead of testing your limits and seeing how close you can get to sin, you should stay as far away as possible from anything that will hurt you and be offensive to God. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: Many times, the way that Satan gets that which belongs to God, he copies. He's a great counterfeiter. The Bible even says that Satan was able to transform himself into an angel of light. Um, He's deceptive. Uh, we know many things the Bible has kind of shown the light on them. We know from John eight forty four, the devil's a liar. We know from 1 Peter 5, um, I think it's 7 or 8, says uh, you know, Peter says there that he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Uh, he's out there trying to rip folks off. We know from John 10, 10 that the thief comes but to steal and kill and destroy. So there's nothing good, the Bible says, about the devil. Every time he speaks in the Bible, he speaks in Genesis to divide man from God. Did God indeed say you couldn't eat of all these things? He speaks again in Matthew 4, 1 to 11 to try to get Jesus off of his course. You know, um, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all these things right now. Every time he speaks, he's trying to bring division between God and the people of God, between people and and their call that God has given them. Everything we see of the enemy in scripture is wicked. This is what we know about him. He, He doesn't mind if we worship him on accident. What does God do when we get saved? What does he do? What, what comes to live inside you? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. So in a sense, right, every verse here that's saved, you are possessed <clears throat> by who? Holy Spirit. That's not a bad possession. So don't get weird. Hey, Pastor that I'm possessed <laughs> by God. Okay, God is God. Is The Bible is so the Holy Spirit is the down payment. It's how I know I belong to God, right? It's a good thing. He's there to convict me of sin, to guide me into all truth, to comfort me when I need comfort with a supernatural comfort. Everything the Holy Spirit does in my life is good. Well, Satan is a great counterfeiter. And so what does he do to those that don't belong to God? He will possess people and he will move through people, speak through people. Um, That's what he does. Um, Can a believer be demon possessed? No. Just want y'all to know, because there's some churches that are, how you think and everything you do wrong. You had to come up and get the, 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 you know, you'd be coming forward every week to get the demon of lust cast out, the demon of cigarettes cast out, the demon of alcohol, and never be told that what you really need to do is repent of your sin. So y'all ain't got the demon. If you say there ain't no demon of nothing, it's, it's your flesh that you got to get in check. So just to help y'all out, that's for free. OK, so. So he counterfeits, he copies uh, what the Lord does, and we want to be careful. Um, he wants the worship that belongs to God. Um, I, I did this at one point. Um, I looked at a, there were all these different musicians that were explaining how they get their songs, and this was from rap people to some rock people, so forth and so on. And I was specifically listening. I, I'm not as interested in what people say about other people. You know, I'm not looking at Illuminati videos and all these kooky things. I'm looking at the people that are saying it themselves, how I got this song. And I listen to, I mean, many, one after the other, these artists say, you know how I get these songs? I "Say, man, we were in the studio for three weeks when we got this album and we were high. I mean, we, were high. We, were, we were just high every single day. And, 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 and this, this is a common testimony. You can go look. These people have testified online in their own interviews that there were demonic presences that would come. They wouldn't call it a demonic presence. They would say there was a presence that came into the room. And, and this just gave me, I got this whole thing in one night. And I'm talking about from rock people, the Doors, Beatles, some of y'all, some people like that stuff, uh, Eminem and some of these different people. They're explaining instances where demonic presence came in and gave them the whole thing. And then you go look at their concert and guess what? Everybody at the concert, it looked like a worship concert. People are emphatically, hands are raised up, they're crying and sweating and all this to that person that ain't talking about nothing. I look at that and I'd be like, man, I know Satan is up in here somewhere trying to steal some worship, false worship. And so I say all that to you is that you want to be cautious. I don't I'm not trying to make you weird, uh, you know, or make you legalistic. But I'm saying you need to be careful what you what you listening to, what you're sowing into your heart and mind over time, uh, because Satan is always out there trying to get something for free, trying to steal some of that which belongs to the Lord. So. I look at, you know, the fact that the Bible teaches us that we're to we're to have a fear of the Lord. You know what Satan has people Satan to have people be afraid of him, but don't fear the Lord. And so what do you think is a push for all the the movies and all the things that are kind of horror related and all these demonic things and all these things that make you fear the dark side? God says you need to fear me. God says you fear God who can kill the body. And after that send the soul to hell, don't fear nothing else. If right? you fear God, you don't have to fear the devil. But if Satan can get you watching those movies and into that, oh, paranormal, nah, nah, and you be walking through your house, and a friend, I heard something, and you be tripping out and all this stuff, and it's like, when your confidence in God, when you're sowing that kind of stuff into your heart and mind, who's behind that stuff, right? I, I'm looking at those things, and I'm saying like, oh, I, I think the enemy is behind that. Got people fearing him when we're supposed to be fearing the Lord. So, you know, I, I, I can go on and on, but I'll just caution you in this way. Paul said, look, what's behind these idols? The, the devil is, right? They're worshiping demons, and I don't want you guys to be partakers with them. I don't want you linking up with them in that. So be careful, family. Things that you, for your, what you do for your leisure, what you do as, as your entertainment, for your enjoyment. Be cautious. As a believer, as a Christian, um, just exercise wisdom, right? In all that we do. Amen? Amen? Verse 21, he says, you cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons, you cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Now, he's not saying you can't actually do it because you can do it. Um, he's saying that you, you, it, what he's, the, what's communicated here is that it's almost like I said, you, can't, you, 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 know, you can't do both. You can't be, you know, having communion with the Lord and then go commune with the devil. You know, he's really saying you shouldn't. We shouldn't be doing this. Can you can you be here today and tonight be somewhere else doing some opposite stuff? You absolutely can, but you should. not And That's what he's trying to communicate, that we be cautious. how we're living and what we're doing. Verse 22. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? And it's a reminder there that one of the names of God and one of his characteristics is that he's jealous. And God's jealousy is not like, you know, he ain't like some some whacked out boyfriend, you know, that, you know, just, where you at? Who you talking to? You know, it's not like that. When God says he's jealous, it's in a good way. God's jealous not of you, he's jealous for you. He knows that there there it's it's bad for you, right? To, to to be going after something else other than him. It's bad for you. It would be a detriment to you. And so when God says I I'm jealous, I, I only want you to love me. I only want you to worship me, right? He only deserves to have it anyway. And God said, he says, I'm a jealous guy. He told, he supposed said that, first said that in the Ten Commandments, when he told them not to worship other gods, not to have idols, not to have any other gods before him. If you're writing notes, you can write down Exodus chapter 20, verse five. He said it there. He also said it in Exodus chapter 34, verse 14. But God says, look, I'm, I'm a jealous guy. I'll I, I, I come tear up some stuff. Don't, don't, don't test me. Right. Don't have me, don't have me, you know, have to get involved. And some of us, you get out there and make God jealous. He had tear that thing up. Some of y'all worshiping four wheels and then they'd be gone. And it's like, Lord, you be back on your face. You'd be back before the Lord. I've seen people who remove the Lord from the throne to go after something else. And I've seen when that thing is removed, you know what they end up coming back to? The Lord. I, I'm like that, that jealous God said, I said, that'll be enough of that. I'm just going to take it away. So. Be careful that you don't you don't put something up there and God say, you know, what? if, if that job is going to cause you all that. Right. If that job is going to ruin our relationship. Then, uh, then I might just have to ruin that job. You know, if that relationship means that much to you. You know, uh, he might just have to get involved and, and help you out a little bit. So he's a jealous goddess in a good way. Uh, God's just I, I look at it like a parent. As a parent, you just know better than your kids know. And there are things that you're like, no, don't do that. Do this. Right. Because you want their success. Everything you want for them is good. Um, And so it's not like I'm just trying to beat up over your life just because I I want the best for you. And when God says, look, I I don't want that for you. It's the same way. It's because he wants the best for us and the best for us is him. Amen? Amen. All right. Verse 23 says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. And. This is an important verse. Paul says, look, it's not a matter of the law, what I can and can't do. We, he's trying to teach them to think beyond that. We talked about that last week, how the immature thought says, is this a sin? Like, how much can I do and not sin? I just want to see how much can I get away with before it's a sin. Paul says, that's the immature thought. The mature thought is, does this edify? Is this going to be helpful? Is this going to move me along? It would be like a student that says, is, if, can I, what do I have to do to pass? Because I mean, you pass with a D, don't you?
0: <laughs>
1: I don't think nobody here wants our students. If you, my kids can't be at school saying, what do I have to do to pass? You bring a D home. And it, it'll be like you failed, you know, and, and then some. So that's the that's the wrong question. The question is, how do I get the, I need you to do the best you can absolutely do. Spiritually speaking, that's the same kind of mentality when someone says like, well, how much can I do and it still be okay? It not be a sin? It's it's what you need to be asking is, is that going to help me out in my walk with the Lord? Is that going to edify other people around me? Is this going to be beneficial to God's great purpose in my life or is it going to be a hindrance? Does it edify? And that is the question that uh, of maturity as we grow up in God, that we're not trying to see how close we can get to the edge and still be okay. Uh, We're not trying to live on the edge, Christians. I know some of y'all like to just, well, the Bible doesn't say you can't do such and such and you want to be right up on the edge. Um, and again, I, I, I remember I've met with couples and when I meet with young couples, I'm, I'm encouraging. I encourage marriage. I encourage marriage young. I encourage short engagement periods. I mean, I want everybody to succeed. I want y'all to get there without messing up. You know, where y'all could, it could be, you, you know, it could be a right thing on the wedding day. Right. And I'll, we'll lay out, me and my wife meet with couples many times, and we'll lay out, you know, uh, we're not the Lord of y'all life. But if you want some, some boundaries, we'll give you some healthy boundaries. And i tell people, if you already messed up, y'all already crossed the line, y'all need to just pull back all the way. Don't touch. Don't touch. And, and how, when's your wedding date? After that date, you commanded to touch and everything else. So just, just for, until then, y'all need to just fall back. But can we Can we kiss? can we rub can we hug is it gonna edify Is that gonna help you out is that gonna be good for you in your walk with the lord is that gonna is that gonna help you and for most people no it's not going it's gonna help you sin you're gonna be back here hey, we did it again and then, you know we, that's what happens you know so we give them the honest you know counsel this would be the best you know if the goal is really to get there in god um you know because from the from the wedding day i mean you guys can, Woo. You know, just let's get a date on the, on the calendar. You know, that's my counsel to them. Don't look for how much you can actually get away with before sin, because before you know it, you'll be sinning. When you live on the edge of sin, all you got to do is just you got to fall just a little bit and you'll be right up over in it. So if I know that that's the edge, I want to be far away from the edge as I can be. And so Paul says, look, it's, all things are lawful, but not everything is helpful. All things are lawful, but not everything edifies. And so we have to be thinking in terms of, well, this edifies, This is going to be helpful. Am I going to grow in God doing this thing right here or not? Look at verse 24. Now he gives a command. He says, let no one seek his own, but each one, the other's well-being. Let's, let's don't just look out for us, but let's think about others. Right. This is going to edify other people. This is going to help other people. And I think that's a healthy thought for us that we should consider, you know, if, if me doing this is going to. Edify or help or stumble and weaken other people. Um, There are things that I realize I have the liberty to do, but I don't know that they would be helpful for other people. For Paul, he's dealing with eating food and things like of that nature. In our culture, it might be things related to dress. Right. Um, You know, for you ladies in particular, um, ladies are pretty. And you guys, God gave you all extra stuff that fellas don't have. And so, I think it's a healthy thought for a woman to evaluate as she leaves her home. Like, is this a good, not is it a good look, you know, because because a lot of things that are a good look, it's not a good look for everybody, you know. So, I I, I run my wife through the test, you know. It's like, if I like it too much, you probably just wear that at home, you know, because I like that too much. Every time you walk by, I got to look at it again. You can't be out there wearing that, you know. Uh, that, that won't be good for everybody else. That just be good for me. So... She got, a, she, got a, she got a list of outfits that those are, that's for home, you know, when you're at home, throw them yoga pants on in, you know, go in and wear that, so, that'd be good for here, that might not be good for everywhere else, so, I'm just being real with y'all, that's, 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 that's what happened, so, but those are things that you should ask, right? Is this gonna be, might I stumble people, if I wear this kind of stuff? Um, is this gonna stumble people? Is is me engaging in this, going? could, could this potentially stumble? Guys gotta be careful in their, their interactions with other people. You know, are you leading someone along? Are you stumbling somebody into thinking you're interested when you're not? We we have to be thinking like, you know, I could do whatever I want. I got liberty, I got freedom in Christ, but I'm as a mature believer, we're starting to think like, is this gonna edify family of God, my brothers and my sisters? For those that don't know the Lord, is this gonna be used to help bring them to the Lord? Or am I Doing things that are going to hinder and stumble other people, right? None of us wants to be a stumbling block or a hindrance. I know we don't. I know, I know no one wakes up and says, I just want to stumble everybody I can today, you know. But if you walk real care- carelessly and loosely before you know it, you are stumbling people. For some of you, you might be stumbling people with your poor attitude. And so you got to check that. Man, it's my attitude. I've met Christians that feel like they got that liberty. Well, I'm just going to keep it real. I'm going to just say whatever I think. Man, that ain't what the Bible says. That's not Bible. That's flesh. That's somebody saying I'm not going to restrain my flesh. I'm not going to die to my flesh. The Bible says be swift to hear, slow to speak. Zip it, zippy, you know, just put that down. So if you find that your speech is stumbling to people, you need to check that. If if people are constantly stumbled by the way you talk to them, maybe you need to reevaluate how you're talking to people. You know, some people, they just have a they just kind of talk down. That's you. You need to check that. That's not because how are you going to witness to people for the Lord? And they, everybody feel put down by you, that's not you're not in a good spot. Um, you know, some people do it because of their own insecurities and whatnot. But are there things that you do that, you know, man, this is stumbling other people. Um, I want to check those things in my life. There have been things that I've had to have had to do over um, parts of even things that are parts of my nature. Probably the biggest one. I, I think my entire life I've grown up uh, in my family, among my peers and friends bagging on people you know making jokes and whatnot and i've always had people around me that kind of take it so i can take it i dish it out and i can take it um but as a christian i found that there's some people that can dish it out but they can't take it now it's not for me to judge but i have learned that i've had people play with me and i'm like oh, okay you're playing with me I'm like, bah, bah, bah. i play back and then they'd be like they, they feelings hurt they don't, I don't see them for a few weeks and i'm like what, did, I, did i say something you know and i find out that i'm like oh I thought we were playing, you know, and, and that was hard for me because at, at one point I would say, man, you, you know, these are guys. I don't play with women. So I'm like, you're a grown man. You got to get over that, you know. But the Lord was like, hey, you, you, you're not the standard. You know, I can't hold people to be like me. And God was like, you need to just don't play with them. You, I know who I can play with. and I know who I can't. You know, when my sister comes over, it's no law. We, me and my sister go at it because somebody's going to lose the battle every time she comes over. I owe her one. She got me last time. But, you know, I got to know who I can do that with or not. And it's a liberty. And I'll tell you this. My wife will sometimes be looking at me and she's like, what are you laughing at? Because it still happens in my head. But I just can't say it. So. But I still get the chuckle. I get I get to enjoy it. So.
0: um,
1: But those are the sort of things where Paul is saying, look, look, look out. Let no one seek his own. Only just think about yourself. But. Let, let us each consider the other's well-being. Is, is this going to be helpful to other people? And if you can see the theme here, he's trying to help us to think outside of ourselves, that we wouldn't be so self-centered, so selfish, uh, so self-consumed, but we would be living for the glory of God in a way that's beneficial to other people. Uh, now look at verse 25. He says, eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake. So you go to the meat market, said, don't even ask him. You know, with a sacrifice, just, just buy it and go home with your bargain. Uh, and it says in verse 26, for the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. That's a quotation from Psalm 24, verse 1. He's gonna quote it one more time in a different context. So uh he says, Look, eat whatever you want when you go to the marketplace, buy whatever you want, don't ask any questions for your conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. God gave us everything to enjoy, enjoy it. Verse 27. If any of those who do not believe invite you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no questions for your contentment. Somebody invites you to their house for dinner, go on over and eat. Don't ask them where they got the meat from. Go ahead, eat it and enjoy it. You know, don't be that special person. Where did you get this meat from? Wh- which market was it? Which rack was it? You know, just go on over there, eat. Thank God for it. Thank them for it and enjoy it. Verse twenty-eight. But if anyone says to you, "This was offered to idols," Do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you. And this is interesting for the for the sake of the one who told you and and for conscious sake for the earth is the Lord's and all His fullness. So he gives the same reference in one sense saying, hey, eat whatever they set before you just don't ask no questions. But on this side of the table, if they tell you and we sacrifice just the idols first, he said, well, then now it becomes a matter of witness to them. Right. That that they wouldn't be somehow stumbled by your behavior and say, well, um, that now this is this is acceptable. Now we told him outright what it was. He says, Now that you know, um, now you shouldn't eat it. Once again, he says, because the earth is the Lord's and all is fullness. So I'm like, how does he use the same verse in two different applications? This is it, right? The the earth is the Lord's, everything here is from the Lord's, all the fullness of the earth. It's available to us, but listen, we still got to be careful how we how we take in what God's given. God says, All available to you. And if on this end you can enjoy it without stumbling anybody, man, by all means, enjoy it. But if on this end over here you can't enjoy it without possibly stumbling somebody, then I'm I'm, I'm expecting that. I put it all out there. There's obviously something else for you. Um, Don't be a stumbling block to somebody else. And again, we don't live in a culture where these sort of things are high on the agenda or the list. But there are other things that, as Christians, we want to be careful about in terms of our behavior, in terms of how we, uh, the things we do in front of other people. Uh, we've spoken about this many times, and, and I'm always telling you guys, the area in which we live and where we minister, one of the biggest issues that we have around here is addictions, drugs and alcohol addictions, um, sexual sin. Those are some of the things that are rampant and hindering people from really, living out life the way God intended. So we're really careful about those things. As we raise up leadership and those that serve, that stuff got to be in order. Um, not because we're legalistic, because we love them and we want to be examples. Those that we raise up and say, hey, these are examples that you can follow. These are people that we're, we're walking in agreement in some things. One of the things that some people have an issue with, um, which, which is okay with me, right, is, is, is our stance on alcohol. The Bible does not say, It's a sin to have a drink of alcohol. Bible says it's a sin to get drunk. Our stance is for those in leadership that it is a liberty that we lay down so that we wouldn't be a stumbling block. I could have a beer if I wanted to and I'd be okay with God. I would not be sinning if I went home today and had a beer. But I guarantee y'all that I would stumble some people if I go have some beers. Number one, my little, little fella lives with me, BJ. He's checking me out. He wants to be what I am. I have a beer. Guess what he's going to want? I want my first beer, too, Dad. I drink coffee. He got boundless energy, but he wants coffee because I drink coffee. You know, Um, I'm responsible for that. I I feel responsible. Some people say, well, just don't do it in front of them and they won't know. Um, Now I've had people ask me, Pastor, do you drink? I can't lie. So I either do or I don't. So some people say, well, just do it in private and none of their business. Nah, my life is different. Um, I, I've sold out my life to the Lord in a way where I'm saying I, I'm my life—I'm a fishbowl. Get up in here, take a look. I ain't no secrets, you know. If, if my son be up there telling them everything anyway, so there ain't no secrets, you know. And I believe that's that's how we're supposed to live, you know. Either I do or I don't, and um, and I don't. It's not a prideful thing. I I, I used to be addicted, so for me, uh, like I say, what's my guarantee against ever being addicted to alcohol again? Don't touch it. How do I make sure I never become a crack habit a, addict? Don't smoke no crack. Don't be at it. You know, I make sure I don't get back hooked on cigarettes. Don't pick one up and, you know, there be I I used to be Newports, but not no more. I haven't had Newport since 1995 by the grace of God. So that's how we that's that's my stance. So it's a liberty. I have the liberty. I understand that I have the liberty right? I'm not making a legalistic thing. I don't tell, I don't look at a Christian that drinks and think they're a second-class Christian because they have a drink of wine or whatever. I'm just saying for those that are going to serve and be an example, I think we should lay it down. We should lay down that liberty because it is a stumbling block.
0: Thanks for joining us here on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. This letter was written by Paul to the Corinthians sometime after he lived in Corinth. He had an intimate knowledge of the church there and so he felt compelled to write a direct letter to address the things that were happening among the believers there. The things he wrote about showed that there were problems in the church then just like there are issues in churches today. Even among believers, there are real sin issues that can derail an entire church if those areas aren't dealt with. Are there areas in your life today that you no need to be addressed. If you need someone to talk to or to pray with, we're here and are ready to answer your call or text. Our number is 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We're so glad you tuned in to A Transforming Word. We'd love to meet you. If you're in the Inglewood area, come join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday, and you can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. There, you'll also be able to learn more about this ministry and listen to additional teachings from Pastor Bill. Again, that website is CalvaryEnglewood.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time as Pastor Bill continues to teach through First Corinthians. We look forward to another edition of A Transforming Word.